0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, gee, it's so lucky to see some new people here this morning. So, again, from my side, a huge welcome. Uh, before I start this morning, the world turned upside down this week. So, before we start the Word of God, let's start with praying for the nation of Ukraine. Um, if you know someone there, this is a good opportunity to extend your faith and let's trust. Uh, how many of you know that God is still on the throne, that He is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that He cares for all people. And so let's just pray right now and trust in little hearts, if that's cool. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, that even though we may seem miles and miles and miles away, Lord God, we thank you that you are not a distant God. We thank you, Father God, that you are you are there. I pray, Lord Jesus, that Father God, you start to do some incredible God things that only you can do in the hearts and the lives of the people, of the leaders, of, 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 this, of this terrible time in, the East, in Eastern Europe, Father God. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that we start to see miracles upon miracles upon miracles of you doing incredible things, Lord Jesus. We pray for, for your peace. We pray, Lord Jesus, this Father God, that you would minister peace into that situation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning it, it really is a, a magnificent privilege to share the Word of God. As Henri said this morning, the Word is so powerful. Um, and I'd like to say, 14 and a half years ago, we joined this church uh, from overseas. So if you don't know me my name's Pete. That's my wife, Kate, with the baby over there at the top, and my daughter, Hannah, my son, James, and my little son, Benj, over here. And so we've welcomed all four of these children through this family, and it really has been magnificent. I know it's, it's 14 and a half years, because Hannah turns 14 this week, and we remember dedicating here, her here. And I, I say that because... I am so thankful for this church and for the generous people that sit here and serve here on a week-by-week basis. So I would love you to turn in your Bibles. This, today's scripture reading is out of Luke 12. And while you're doing that, I'm going to share a, a Christmas story about the worst Christmas present I've ever received. Now, some of you love a, a, you know, presents that, that require a lot of time and effort and, and thought. You see, I, I received a present, and I think everyone was involved because they were all watching my face, and as I unwrapped this present and opened it up, there was a look of sheer terror on my face. Because you see, that is a 1500-piece puzzle, and for me, that's 1500 problems that need solving. That is a very, very, very scary thing for me. You see, and they all know that because they know on a rainy day that's probably my my, my last place I will go to. But for many people, that's great if this is your thing. But for me, that's not my thing. I would rather be in the rain fishing or anything, anything except for this because it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And this morning, I want to I wanna entitle my sermon message, The Missing Piece. Because there's one thing worse than a 1,500-piece puzzle for me. is a 1,500-piece puzzle that's missing two pieces. Because when a puzzle is almost all done, and then you go, where's the piece? And we look at Benjamin, and he goes... And it's hidden. It's frustrating because it's not complete. And this morning, I want to say that there's a missing puzzle happening, and it's you. You can be that missing puzzle piece in your life or in someone else's life that starts to make the picture complete. This morning, we're going to talk about generosity and how being generous and bringing ourselves and our gifts is just bringing that puzzle piece and completing that picture which God has intended so I want to tell you one other story before I start, is that we have uh, in our house, the kids have, have taken over the, the mantle, kind of the, the beam as you walk into the house, and it's full with their posters. They make posters, and one of the posters is done in stencil, and it's our family scripture. And it's, uh, it's out of the book of Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. And it says the following, says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not On your own understanding, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight or direct your paths. And this week, I just kept looking at that scripture as I walked in, because this morning, as we talk about generosity, I believe it's that. Do we trust in the Lord with all of our heart? Do we not lean on our own understanding, but can we acknowledge Him and watch what He will do with our lives, with our possessions, with our finances, because we've trusted Him? And we've placed it into his care. The poster next to it, though, was a word of wisdom that came out of my son, James, last year. So for those of you who don't know, we have adopted a beautiful Sarah. She's fast asleep up there. And it's been a long process. But about six months into the process, James came down and he said, Mom, Dad, I think God's told me something. And he wrote it down on this poster and then we stuck it on the wall. It said, Lord, whatever you have called or asked, we are willing. And so this morning, I have a question for us to start with this morning, is with the background of trust and the background of God asking us to do certain things, the question I have for you is, how are your finances or your possessions shaping your heart? I don't really care personally how they're shaping your balance of your your balance sheet. I care how they shape your heart. Because that's what God is after. And so this morning as we go through the scriptures, I want to ask that you open your heart to what God wants to say. I want not just your head, but your heart. Because we serve an incredible God. A generous God. A God who owns everything. Who made everything. A God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine in and through His life, your life. And so I, I had a look. And you can back me up on this, but there's over 2,350 scriptures on finances in the Bible or possessions. We're only going to look at a couple today, okay? I won't keep you here all day. But I believe God is asking us in this moment of generosity to do with it what he would ask, which is to do it with gratitude, to do it with contentment, to be generous with contentment, to trust him, and to give because we love him and because we love his people. But how many of us are feeling that we do it out of our own strength. And so instead of having that gratitude, we have pride because we have holding on to our own things. Instead of God's contentment, we have coveting, where we look at others and we wish we had what they had, or we wish we had more. We look at trust in Him and we look at our own situation and then we get anxious. So we trade the trust we should have in God with our anxiety. And lastly, we, we, sh- we know we should have love for God and love for others, but in essence, we have indifference. And so this morning, as we look through the Word of God, I pray that we would switch all of those around, that we would switch these moments around and we would trust God. So Lord, as we open your Word, may you open our hearts. And Lord, as we go through your Word of of God this morning, I thank you, Lord, that you would go before us with power and with might. We thank you in Jesus' name. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke 12, and we're going to be reading from verse 13. And I have got it on the board for you. It is a long passage of Scripture, so teenagers, bear with me. There's a test just now on it. Okay, so, yeah, see, he's looking. I saw that. Okay, the parable is called the parable of the rich fool. And it says in verse 13, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take to them the crowd, Jesus said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich young man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store up my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat. Or know about your body what you will put on, for life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouses nor barns, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than these birds, of which you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? If then you are not able to do as much as a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown in its oven, how much more will he clothe you? O you of little faith, and you do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first his kingdom, and all of these things will be added unto you. It's the word of the Lord this morning. Uh, It's a a challenging passage of Scripture. Um, It's a very challenging passage of Scripture. But I want to give you a little bit of context. You see, Jesus is talking to the crowds, actually a big portion of crowds in Luke 12. And at that moment, Jesus is actually encouraging them to share their faith. Like last week, we were talking about how to share our faith with sinners. Jesus was telling them about this. And he's actually telling them about the Holy Spirit who will be with them to help and to encourage and to to be with them. I mean, Jesus was inspiring the people. And the next thing, this Pharisee come kind of rocks up and out of left field says, Hey, Rabbi, that inheritance, can you divvy it up for us, please? You see, in the Old Testament, the rabbi was the person who would divvy up the inheritance. But what he's actually asking, and Jesus cuts straight through it, he said, you're not asking me about... But, but money, you, you're checking my, the heart. He was almost saying, I want I want something, God. I want this inheritance. And he was saying, Lord, I, I don't care that inheritance is actually something that should be shared amongst my brothers. We don't hear him saying, Lord, I want to do what's right by my brother. Can we divvy it up? He said, Lord, give me what's mine. And Jesus actually cut straight through it because he knew that the, the man's issue was not about his inheritance. It was that the father had left the inheritance to two sons jointly, this man wasn't just, he didn't want joint ownership, he wanted full ownership. He wanted all of it. He wanted everything. And so his love for money had superseded his love for his brother. And so this morning, that's the part that we come into this, where we look at it. I love the fact that even Jesus in that moment is asking all of the crowd to say, let's pull back a little bit. Let's pull back from the matter that's at hand here of inheritance. Let's pull back and look at our heart towards Possessions. And let's look back at our whole lives and see how much God has got. Yes, possessions is part of it, but it's not that big part. Our lives should be about so much more than just those things. So I believe there's four things that this passage of scripture is trying to challenge us on this morning. And the first one is out of verse 16. It says, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth abundantly. Did the man bring forth abundantly? No, it says the ground brought bread abundantly. And the man was rich prior to this harvest. It says that he was a rich man. But he brought a, a massive harvest, a bumper crop, a windfall harvest is what they, what they call it. It far exceeded the man's wildest dreams. And in that moment, he said he reasoned with himself in verse 17. It says he reasoned with himself. He didn't reason with someone else. He reasoned with himself. He didn't ask for counsel from God, from one another. And then it starts to say, I will build bigger barns. I will do this, and I will do that, and I will do the other. If you look at the passage of Scripture, it actually says the word I six times and the word myself five. That's 11 times where he asked himself what I should do with this bumper crop. Not once did it say, Lord, thank you for the bumper crop. What would you like to do with it? What is your plan for what you have given me? It's what is my plan with what I have made? And so the first thing I believe that this passage of Scripture is saying is that we need to trade our pride in what we have into our gratitude for what God has given us. And I think it's an amazing transformation is where we can see what God has given us and say, Lord, thank you for what you've given us, our time, our talents, and our treasures. Lord, won't you help us to use it for your kingdom and for your extension? Not, Lord, I have this much stuff. I, I will do this with it. No, thank you for what you've given me and what can I do with that in return. So the first challenge is to go from our sense of pride into a sense of gratitude to God. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, says, pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love, of contentment, and even of common sense. And I think it's so true is that when we move to that sense of gratitude for what God has given us, our eyes are open to the opportunities that God places in front of us. And this morning, if you're feeling proud about what you feel you have, let's turn that into thankfulness for what God has given us so that he can do much with it. The second part is, is, is that I believe that in this parable, Jesus is, is challenging us to move from a sense of coveting what others have to a sense of contentment in what God has given us. In Hebrews 13, it says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So funny, is that coveting is, is kind of a big thing to Jesus? Because in the Bible, if you go back to the Ten Commandments, how many of you know it says, do not covet? It's one of the commandments right back in the Old Testament. Moses even raised it. And all the way through, it, it's kind of God saying, don't covet what others have, or even in your own life, don't covet of what you, what you think you should have. Let's be content with what God has given us. Let's not ask the question, when I? There's a a, a Western mindset of when I have this, I will do that. When I have enough, I will give more. When I'm here, I will will do that. How many of you know you never have enough money to get married? But you still get married. And then you never have enough money to have a kid, and you have one. And then you think, and then you have another one. And if you're like me, you have four. But in a way, it's also us saying, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and I'm going to be content in what you've given me and where I'm at. You see, in verse 20, he said, God said to him, you foolish one, tonight your soul is required of you. These things which you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What he's actually saying is, don't be coveting what others have or even what you, what you have in your own life. Don't cover that thing. Let's be content and be rich, not towards ourselves, but towards God and what he has. You see, the problem is not the possessions, it's man's heart towards the possessions. The challenge here is that he, he, the possessions were holding him. He wasn't using those possessions for what God has. So firstly, I believe that we need to be thankful towards God and what he has given us. That's the first way to move from from. from kind of coveting to content is when we we firstly, we're thankful to God for what he's given us. Secondly, I believe we become more content is that when we start to steward what he's given us well and with his grace and with his wisdom. And the third thing is that once we know that it's from him and that we need his power to use it, we start to be generous with it and it doesn't hold us anymore. And therefore, we start to be content with it because we know that it's from him first. He's given us the ability to steward it, and now he's asking us to give some of it into his kingdom. The third part, and I believe this is one of the most powerful for for me personally, is I think this parable, Jesus is asking us to move from a sense of anxiety to one of trust. It says in verse 22, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, or your body, what you'll put on, because life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. In Matthew 6, verse 31, Jesus says, Do not be anxious, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's funny, I say this and you can think, Oh, Pete, that's lucky. Like, nice, it must be nice to just preach about it. When I was preparing this, there was a moment I started reading this and my mind went into my own balance sheet and I got anxious. I actually had to put aside the sermon and be like, Lord, I need to worship you. I need to set these things aside because this anxiety comes in like a flood. And I believe today there's so many people that are held by anxiety right now. And I think this parable is so wonderful in that Jesus is asking us to trade the anxiety of trying to hold it all together ourselves. To say, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. Help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. And then that anxiety will start to, 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 to go down. You see, this man was looking at financial security as the source and the stability in his heart, as opposed to a trust in God to be the source, the foundation, and the stability in his life, and thereafter to extend. And I think it's such a subtle one, where we try and and figure it all out ourselves, whereas we should be saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've given me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to love you. And by the way, thank you for giving me the wisdom to help to plan it and to use it. Because planning is wise. Planning is a biblical principle. Stewarding is a biblical principle. But setting our hope and our security in that, that's not biblical. Our hope and our security should be found first and foremost in our, in our heavenly Father. And Jesus cares first and foremost for us and our spiritual well-being. And that's what he's asked for first, is your spiritual obedience to him. Then secondly, your practical obedience. How are we going to practically do this? And then thirdly, What do I do with it and how do I give it out? And I think that is where we move from that sense of anxiety to one of trust. One of my favorite scriptures is Acts 20, verses 35. It says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And for those of you who don't know, that word blessed in Greek is called makarios. Can I tell you the direct translation? Happy making. It is more happy making to give than to receive. That's what it says in the Bible. I love the fact that even God is saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's definitely more blessed to give a puzzle than to receive one. But God is asking us to be more blessed in our giving than to be receiving. I love the fact that, uh, Sergio, you shared that scripture that Peter spoke about in the Bible. He says, cast your cares. The cares he's talking about is Cast your anxiety, cast these things upon him because he cares for you. And so this morning, if you're battling with anxiety in your finances or in your possessions, God is asking you to cast those cares upon him because he will care for you and he'll ask you to trust him. And when we trust him, we see him doing amazing things. Lastly, I believe that this parable, Jesus is asking us to move from indifference to love. He's asking us to move from a sense of it being only about us to about it being about the other. He's asking that man to stop using the I so many times and start to say, how do I use this for you and for your kingdom? And I think this is a, this is a challenge for us in our world because Jesus says the following. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the challenge here is that what does God say in the Bible? He says, Seek first His kingdom, or love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then He says, and then love others. Jesus' heart is for the other, Jesus' heart is for you. And therefore, if we put our treasure into what Jesus' heart is, watch what it'll do to our own hearts. Watch what it'll do to our own hearts. Jesus' heart is for the following it's for serving, for mercy and justice. That's what Jesus' heart is. It's for the poor and the underprivileged. It's for those in need. Jesus cares for those people. We should care for those people. Secondly, his heart is for the lost. Are we investing into the lost? And thirdly, his heart is for the strengthening of the believers, the discipleship of the believers. And so where we put our treasure, our heart will respond and go there too. Don't follow your heart and then put your treasure there. Ask God where his heart is and let's put our treasure there and then see what God does with our treasures. 1 Timothy 6 verses 18, it says, You are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to be ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for yourselves as a good foundation for your future so that you may take hold of that which is truly Truly life. So I want to close up with a testimony. And my testimony is, is not about a, a balance sheet. My testimony is about a little pink bundle of joy that's up there in the top. You see, if I look at this, those four lessons, the first one is that we should move from a sense of pride to a sense of gratitude. And we are and have always been very proud of our family. But our family was, seemed pretty cool. Three great kids. Everything was good. But God had called us to something. And so we had to move from our own pride and our own comfort and say, God, we're going to trust you. And then God added a little bundle to our lives. And now we have to be grateful for everything God gives us. And it's incredible when you move to that sense of gratefulness of what God has got. And that gratefulness comes in big sizes and small sizes. I'm going to tell you about some bigs and some smalls. You see, we're grateful because the adoption agency said this is going to take ages and ages. And she rocked up, and she wasn't even four months old when we got her. We're grateful because we've been trusting God for a person to look after her before we got her. And she was raised for three months of her life in this beautiful Christian home where she was loved. I'm grateful because I've got babysitters on demand. Um, I'm grateful because this week a friend of ours rocked up with a bottle of formula. I'm grateful because we came home from the adoption agency, and there was a pram that someone had said, Yeah, here's a pram. And we are out of practice. I mean, Benjamin's 11, almost, you know. I've forgotten how to do a bottle. Um, I did burn four bottles the other day. Um, ownership moment. So we've moved to that sense of, of gratitude. The second thing is we needed to go from coveting to contentment. We can covet. We can be like, this, this picture looks good, or that picture looks good. Our contentment is how do we be content in what God, you've placed us and asked us to do, God? How can we be content in the family structure that you've asked us to have? The third one is moving from that anxiety to trust. Claude, how do you mean? How hard is it to have four children? Four times harder. Okay, okay. But yet, God is asking us to trust Him. Trust Him in the big, and in the small. Trust Him in the day to days, not to be anxious in in where will, how will do this? How will we manage? What will happen? God, let's trust you in the big things and in the small things. And then lastly, how do we go to position of love? For me, that was easy to see because I know that I've been adopted into God's family and therefore, it's easy for me to say like, God, we can adopt because you loved us so much, you adopted us into your family. Now, many of you are not going through an adoption story and I know that, but you're going through something. And God is asking you this morning is to trade some of our own personal stuff for what God has asked us. So this morning, I'm going to close by praying for you. I want to pray for those of us who feel that we have got too much pride and not enough gratitude, that we're trying to hold this all in our own strength and be proud with what we have, as opposed to thankful for what he's given us. Some of us are coveting those around us. Even as I do this, you look around and you're like, I wonder how they're doing. And we want to trade that coveting for a contentment in what God has given us to steward and to look after. Some of you are even anxious as I say the word. We want to trade that anxiety for trust. And lastly, there's many of us here today who are indifferent to giving because we don't truly love the way that God has asked us to love. And so this morning the challenge is this. Be the puzzle piece. Be the puzzle piece that God has asked you to be because you'll start to see puzzles become these full, beautiful, amazing pictures that God has placed in the hearts and the lives around you. And as you're generous with who God has made you to be to those around you, watch what he will do. Watch what he will do. It will be incredible, incredible to see. So if that's you, I'm going to pray with you. Won't you just maybe pop up your hand if you're battling with any one of those four things. I would love to pray with you. And afterwards, if you want to, I can carry on praying, because it's a joy. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I thank you, Lord God, that you are an incredibly generous and kind and loving Heavenly Father. I thank you, Father God, this morning, as we opened your word to, to hear about generosity. Lord, at its core... We know that you're a Father who loves us and is generous towards us. You gave everything. You gave your very best, including your Son, so that, Lord, that we could trade these human attributes for attributes that are Spirit-empowered, Father God. Lord Jesus, I come before you, and I thank you, Lord, for everyone who's got their hands raised, Lord, where, Lord, they may be feeling pride or coveting, Father God, or anxious, Lord Jesus, or indifferent. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that that today you would help them by the work of your Holy Spirit to trade these things, Father, for a greater sense of gratitude in who you are, for a contentment, Father God, in who you've called them to be. Father God, for a sense of trust in you as a good and gracious Heavenly Father, and for an extravagant love, Father, for you and for your people, so that, Lord Jesus, they can... They can live out their calling, Lord Jesus, fully dependent on you. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we as a church would be a generous church. Generous, Father God, in our expression of who you are. Generous, Lord God, in how we live out our every day. We thank you for your spirit to lead and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.